And now, the Arena Craft Podcast proudly presents the second annual Arjuna Awards here tonight, featuring your host, Arjuna Perkins, and his illustrious co-host, myself, Covert Go Blue, featuring awards for all of the nonsense that has happened in the last year, 2021, for Magic the Gathering Arena. And now we throw it over to your leading host and the one whose name is on every single one of these awards, the incredible, the amazing Arjuna. Thank you. Thank you. I couldn't have done it. You didn't win the award. Stop. Don't cry. You know what? Quit trying to take this away from me, dude. You're like freaking Kanye. Was it Kanye who just came up and like snatched that award out of Taylor Swift's hand? I don't mean no disrespect, but Beyonce released the greatest music video of all time. All right? (laughs) Beyonce created the greatest magic card of all time. (laughs) It's actually kind of fitting because weren't you nicknamed Kanye for a while? We don't need to tell that story. (laughs) We don't need to retread that ground. But yes, crafties, it is the end of another year. And what a year it's been. Holy crap. It's been like plagues, carnage, wars, controversies, insurrections, and that's just in the arena client, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. So what we're going to do today is we are going to reflect back on the year it's been in Magic with an arena focus, and we're just going to share our opinions on a handful of things. So that's going to be the majority of the episode today, but... I wanted to acknowledge at least one thing epic that happened this week, which was that we got Kamigawa Neon Dynasty spoilers, and we even got a teaser video, and holy crap, CGB. You know, I've watched, like, other magic trailer videos or teaser videos and stuff, and, like, they're cool, they're epic, some of them are pretty great. This one was like the first one I've watched where I was just rewatched it a number of times. And I was like, holy crap, I want this now. I want this movie now. I want the Netflix magic thing to just be all this all the time. Did you watch it? I didn't even know it came out. No way. Oh, my goodness. Why is that cover, Go Blue? Yeah, you might notice my settings are different. Uh, Another big storm hit my area and just kind of demolished a lot of things. And uh, I am am a refugee. I am staying at someone else's house and going to be doing a big showdown battle tomorrow uh, from here. And uh, yeah, I probably won't be able to go back home and have anything like a working house for another couple days dude sometimes living in michigan is the most boring thing ever and sometimes it throws on a little left hook on the on the jaw ain't that so yeah a little left hook on the jaw timing's terrible but that's the way it goes you can't control that you just got to keep going but i spent all day yesterday trying to figure out where to go i had to get a place to take care of our dogs had to get a place to kind of move into for a few days got everything set up today actually staying with a fan turned friend who i met here in town at the local game store they're having me and uh they actually have a really nice place and a good setup but i've been checked out i've been scrambling to keep the streak 
alive by getting videos posted and posting the last of my Crokey's Trash Talk stuff on Twitter. But other than that, I've missed the last 48 hours in magic. And I honestly figured nothing would happen because it's late freaking December. Here's the thing, CGB. Wizards has established a streak and their streak is that not a single week can go by without some new product being unveiled. As soon as we got done with all the alchemy nonsense, boom, we're already looking forward two months to Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Dude, when you get a moment, you got to watch this video, man. It's like, it is everything and more. In fact, crafties, just go watch it. The music is like Arjuna AF, dude. I want the music on this trailer to be on your podcast. If you are the composer who is commissioned for this piece and you're listening to this show, reach out to me. Let's work out a deal. So anyway, yeah, we got to see a new Planeswalker. We got to take a look at possibly the sweetest basic lands ever. And I don't say that lightly. Holy crap, dude. These lands. So crafties. I knew that it was going to be an interesting set. I knew I was going to be stoked about it. But to be honest, I just kind of looked forward to it like I look forward to any other magic set. Even though I like cyberpunk and whatever, I guess I should have known. I didn't think that much about it. But when the materials actually started coming out, it was like emotional excitement experience. The flavor of a magic set has never done that for me before in quite that way. So... Color me absolutely stoked. Good. I look forward to hearing about it. I was pretty excited about it once I kind of settled with the fact that we were going to go to future Japan, Tokyo, Neo Tokyo stuff in Magic. Once that settled in, I was like, oh, this is a perfect set for me. I'm going to love this. Heck yeah, dude. CGB has been like training for this his whole Magic career. I know like synthwave artists by name. I'm ready. Skilled in the art of wearing gloves and a bandana. Just go check that out, crafties. It's a cool thing. It's going to be a good time. So with looking forward out of the way, it is time for us to look back. It's been a long year in Magic. Do you have anything to say before we just dive in and start tearing up these awards? Yeah, let's dive in and tear up these awards. All right, let's do it. The first thing that I put on the list here was format of the year. I think that there's a number of contenders for this. I want to just look back and recount, in my opinion, the big three kind of new or notable formats of the year. First of all, Historic Brawl 100 card Q on the arena. This is a thing that they added this year, which was a total home run for a lot of players. And CGB and I actually wanted to do a showdown based on it because we thought it was such a big deal. Now, that didn't end up working out for various reasons, but... Wasn't indirect challenge being that various reason. Indeed, but we both had an incredible amount of fun playing it. I know you've actually reverted to that format recently while in, in the uh, alchemy waiting room, as it were. Anything to say about that? That particular cue. So something interesting about Historic Brawl that you can actually track on Untapped GG, by the way, download that with link in description, supports the podcast sponsors of the show untap.gg wonderful software if you had to guess what do you think gets played more best of one historic or historic brawl because you can see a total matches number under the premium untap.gg client at least for tracked uh, they can't track what they don't have a tracker on but you can get a little look see even if you hadn't set this question up i would have guessed historic brawl 
Yeah. Historic Brawl, uh, since December 10th, so the last seven days, has 90,000 matches, and Historic has 64,000. That Historic Brawl queue is getting played. Last year, we kind of had a similar arc with Historic, where it didn't have a queue until like May of that year. It took until... I believe August 24th for Historic Brawl to get their queue, right? It looks like Historic Brawl is working out. I believe most people when they brawl now play Historic Brawl. I don't know why if or when anybody plays regular Brawl, but 100 card Historic Brawl has really evolved as a format and it's the closest you have to Commander right now on the platform. And it is a reliable distraction from every conceivable meta because whenever I'm just not quite feeling it today, I have my historic Brawl Lear deck lined up to torture and destroy everything that gets in my path, and it, it brings me great joy. Yeah, it's a truly sweet format. I have also enjoyed playing it a lot. I think it's a nice little sweet spot. I think the historic card pool is big enough to make it a really satisfying format, but it's small enough to not just be utterly daunting the way I think real-life Commander can be, especially since we don't really have pre-cons on Arena. I think it would be pretty big deal to try to deal with that as a new arena player so i think it's a really sweet spot oh oh, whoa 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 hold on hold on hate to interrupt you there arjuna i mean no disrespect because historic brawl is a great format at all but did you know that alchemy in the last seven days has 130,000 matches played oh and standard has 200,000 so it's closer than you'd expect but they're the top two by a mile historic has 64,000 alchemy just being in the ballpark i think there's a big difference between 200,000 and 130,000. Wait, but hold on. In the last how many days? Seven days. So Standard is still actually beating out Alchemy in terms of popularity. I think that whatever is the thing when someone hits play and it's the first thing that they play is always going to be on top no matter what. Yep, I think you're right about that. I was kind of leading up to this, but you let the snake out of the box. So um, <laughs> let's talk about Alchemy. I feel like Alchemy's got to be the format of the year. And it's just like the biggest new format we've basically seen in Magic as far as Arena is concerned. Alchemy is the news of the year. Alchemy is the announcement of the year. Alchemy is the drama of the year. I can't give it format of the year. It's too new. We haven't even had our second rebalancing. That's what makes this an interesting question, right? Because here's what I would have said two weeks ago before the Alchemy announcement is hands down for me, the format of the year was standard 2022, baby. First of all, I would say out of the top five decks in the format, two of them were your brews and one of them was mine. How can that not be the freaking arena craft format of the year, baby? I got to give it to us, man. I give us freaking arena format podcast of the year. Let's go. I also would have said, uh, in my opinion, Standard 2022 still is the format of the year, even though it's now RIP. But it did what it needed to do, which is keep me from uninstalling the client for three months while we dealt with Forgotten Realms, Eldraine, and it got us to the rotation. It's kind of amazing looking back at that format that it was really fun, but not completely unbalanced. And somehow, like, is it Epiphany didn't absolutely dominate it the way it did after the release of Innistrad. Maybe that was a lack of something that we weren't doing right. I don't think so, though. I, I feel like I explored all kinds of is it decks in that format. But yeah, it was a very, very fun format. I'll always look back at it fondly as a thing that I just relentlessly played. I don't think I played a game of standard since the day that thing was released. And I didn't look back. 
back. Yeah, me neither. I think it was the most balanced, fun, and interesting feeling standard format that I've ever played on Arena, to be honest. I felt like every deck I built in that format felt viable. I could throw together any old fun pile with a good plan and have a positive win rate. And I think that that just reflects on a really cool format. You could play aggro, you could play mid-range, you could play control. There were even a couple combo decks in there. Not a lot to not like, basically. Decks built around the five-mana Kaya and Cyclone Summoner were making it. That's impressive. It was so cool. Nothing felt like super busted. I know it's interesting, right? Like you were saying, we had a deck with both Goldspan Dragon and Auron's Epiphany and freaking Expressive Iteration in it, all three of those cards. And somehow that was not even the best deck in the format. Yeah, what a cool time. I will always look back on that fondly. And I rest on our laurels saying that we really made an impact on that format as well. So format of the year? Format of the year. Standard 2022. Although I think in posterity, we'll look back on it as being alchemy. Alchemy, it's got to prove itself. I think it will be the greatest thing ever. It's just they've got to prove that they actually know how rebalancing is supposed to work. That's true. It has the promise of being the best thing ever, but now they actually have to execute on it. Well, let's go on to our second category here, the most degenerate deck of the year. Now, here's the thing, CGB. We had a rotation this year, but for the purposes of this podcast, all of the cards that we talk about and all the decks that we talk about, I want for them to be post-rotation. Are you cool with that? Really? This show is the whole year, right? For I had a moment of trying to remember what an Eldraine meta was, and I don't exactly want to live back there, but it feels a little like we're skipping things if we don't. Okay, that's fair. I'm enjoying thinking about the post-rotation meta, so I think a lot of my selections have been there, but I'll open it up to you. You can do whatever you like. You're a free thinker. Who announces a nominee first for, you said, most degenerate deck of the year? Okay, well, I kind of sprung this on you, so I'll go ahead and, and give mine. Uh, while you're thinking about it. I'm just going to go ahead and say, is it turns? I think the combination of how good it is in the meta, how defining it's been in the meta, and also how vomit-inducingly horrible it feels to play against, it's not just the best deck, right? It's degenerate. It's the thing when, like, when your opponent's doing their thing and you feel like the fundamental fabric of reality is ripping apart in an evil way. It's got to be this deck. Once they start going off, they resolve that first galvanic iteration and you just get that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach. And you know that you're just never going to take another turn for the rest of the game. Definitely has to be Is It Turns for me. What do you think, CGB? Is this most degenerate standard deck? Uh, it doesn't have to be. Historic had a deck that had Brainstorm, Memory Lapse, and Time Warp. And it didn't last a month of legality after the archive was opened. And that wasn't even the first thing banned. The first thing banned from the archive was Tainted Pactas's Oracle combo. And then the second wave of bannings was targeting Jeskai Creativity, Jeskai Polymorph, whatever you want to call it. I mean, both of those decks and their kind of the quick actions to get rid of them, they didn't last very long, imply that there was a degeneracy there that probably would have gotten worse and worse given enough opportunity. So they should both be nominated. I'm going to nominate... Okay, is there a category for like saltiest deck or is this as close to that as we get? Well, actually, okay, I have most eye-rolling deck. Okay, we'll get to what I want to say then. Gosh, I actually think the Jeskai Creativity deck with the three cards that ended up getting banned was the worst. 
And Tainted Pact was also very annoying just because of how embarrassing it was to resolve Tainted Pact on the Arena client. That gives it like an extra bump. So I'm going to nominate Tainted Pact and I'm going to nominate Just Get Creativity. That was not fine. Solid choices all around. Let's move on to coolest deck of the year. This is like the left field deck. Oh, this is the deck that made you go, aha. Oh, this is the most unexpected deck. Oh, the deck that just made you smile real big when you saw it. So we're those were not nominations. Those were like, this is who I give it to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, I don't want to have a tie. I look weak. All right, CGB. The window's closing. What's it going to be? For theme, I'm going to give it to Jeskai Creativity Turns because both of those decks, your selection is it turns and Jeskai Creativity revolved around taking all the turns for just a theme of this episode. All right. There you go. The coolest deck of the year, I actually think it's ironic because my deck has a similarity to the deck I picked for the last deck. But I got to say, man, that Grixis Turns list at Worlds what a cool deck, man. I just remember reading that deck list and being like, what is going on? Someone is playing this at the World Championship. Someone is playing Leah at the World Championship. I tried to warn the people. No one saw a deck featuring Leah and the Celestis being four slots out of the 16 at Worlds. As much as it did still have the degenerate Allruns Epiphany combo in it, I just think both for sheer audacity, for sheer left-fieldedness, and also for it taking place in the highest stakes tournament of the year, I have to give it to Grace's turns. Okay, this is another tough one. There are a lot of decks that are cool once, and they get a lot worse really fast. I'm thinking of uh, Naya Winota. I'm thinking of Jeskai Mutate. You know, like the first time you pop off, you're like, oh my god, this is so much fun. And then the third time you have to do it, you're like, I would prefer to be stabbed in the eye. I'm going to give this one a little self-serving, but I'm going to give it to just what I'm going to call blood money, which is decks with the Shambling Gas, Deadly Dispute, Skullport Merchant Blood, and the Snow Packages. You can play so many colors. You can play all kinds of combination of colors around that core group of cards, and you could still have a competitive deck. You could play Golgari. You could play Sultai. You could play Jund. You can do so many things with it and squeeze in the cards that sing to you, that make you really happy and you kind of just win with whatever and that value package just shores up the early game so you don't lose to aggro and you get to do cool stuff and play cards that might cost five to seven mana that some formats would never let you play and it's a shame it had to be checked by all these infinite turns nonsense because that's really the only thing that held it back from being super competitive but i think that blood money type decks are really cool i never got sick of playing them still haven't they're like yorian in that they provide you this foundation upon which to build basically whatever you want. So it doesn't surprise me that you really got into those decks. It's what's something that someone could do with creatures, which would appeal to Covert Go Blue's sensibility, right? Usually the creatureless deck player, if ever there was one, and uh, you found it. Next up, most eye-rolling deck. This is basically the deck that when the person plays the first land, you just want to get up and walk out of the room. You see that one drop and you're just like... This game's already over. Why do I even bother playing Magic in the first place? Covert Go Blue, what was the most eye-rolling deck for you this year? Rogues, not close. Wasn't it last year though as well? 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, just putting it back on the ballot. The two-time back-to-back eye-rolling deck of the year champion is still Demir Rogues. They somehow took Demir, Flash, Tempo, and Mill, these fringe strategies. They made them playable, but they did it in such an annoying manner. I mean, I told you, I think I talked about it last time, but if I never talked about it on the podcast, let me just clarify. I had stats that showed that no matter the quality of the game or the opponent or how high in rank it was or what deck I was playing, when my video went into a match against rogues, people left. It wasn't even that they were leaving the play queue. They were just leaving their favorite YouTuber's video cold. They were leaving the video. Just full stop, turn one room crab, gone. I went through a period of time where... I was just turn one conceding to rogues because I needed to make content people would watch. That's how you know a deck is unpopular. This was definitely my nominee for last year, or maybe it was cycling, actually. That deck was awful as well. But for this year, I'm actually going to hand it to the mono white aggro deck in standard. And here's why, CGB. Deck's fine. Deck's cool. It was important that it was in the format. We needed an aggro deck. It wasn't going to be mono red, so now it has to be mono white. All of those things are fine. The thing that bothered me about mono white in this format, and honestly it was even in the last format too, was the sheer hadditness of the deck. I have never played against an aggro deck that ran so hot so often, and this includes Embercleave. I remember times when the opponent didn't have Embercleave. I remember times when I had a good answer to Embercleave. Embercleave, sure, they had a lot of the time, it sucked, everyone hated losing to it, but you know, it was fundamentally kind of an inconsistent card that relied on a number of things to go right in order to work. But these mono white aggro decks, dude, this was like the ultimate table flipping game I think I've ever had in Magic, right? So I think I was playing a Demir deck against one of these stupid mono white decks. CGP takes a long, lustrous sip of his Mountain Dew and settles in for story time. I'm playing this Demir deck, control deck. I draw the important card that I need to draw in the matchup, which is Covert Go Blue. I don't know what's in your deck. Do you know how to build Demir control? I've never seen you play it. What would be the important card in blue-black to draw against mono-white? I don't know. I'd want like some meat hook massacres, I guess. Yes, that's exactly it. So I have a meat hook massacre in my hand. It wasn't even in my opening hand, by the way. My opponent goes turn one beta, turn two Thalia, turn three. They play the frickin' Spellbinder, grab the meat hook massacre out of my hand, and then turn four... They play Redain. But fortunately, I'm doing treasury things, and so I'm like ramping, and I'm hitting my land drops and whatever, and I'm keeping up. I'm working towards it, right? And so I had the land drop in my hand. I had the massacre in the exile zone. I had all the mana to do it. And my opponent, who has not missed a single beat this entire game, no joke, they rip a freaking uh, portable hole off the top of their deck, and they hit my treasure, Covert Go Blue, and that locked me out of casting the Massacre that I needed to cast to win that game. And that was the point at which I decided, F everything, screw this client, I'm quitting Magic forever, I am over it. They shoved your treasure in their hole, and you're not happy about it, I understand. Most eye deck of the year for me goes to Mono White Aggro. Let's move on to um, one of CGB's favorite categories because uh, he enjoys cards like this. The biggest trap of the year. Oh, 
I enjoy cards like this. Are you dissing me? Is that a burn? Okay, go on. We're just gonna move along. The card, which is looks so fun, looks so powerful, looks like it's gonna get things done. You can build so many different decks with it. And you look back on it and you're just like, what was I ever doing with that card in my deck? What do you think, CGB? What was the trappiest trap? I gotta think about this. You have one? Yeah, I do. We called it Yorian last year. I'm not gonna let you audible to Yorian again this year. You need to come up with a new trap. Me? I didn't call it Yorian. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that's true. It was me, huh? That's a good point. How would you ever think I would do that? So for me, the biggest trap of the year. Now, I don't think that it trapped in breadth but this card definitely trapped in depth and it trapped hard. And my friends, the chap of the year was Storm the Festival. I told people this card wasn't gonna be good. They didn't listen to me. They built a ton of different Storm the Festival decks. And we look back on those decks now and went. We do? Those decks are sweet. <laughs> well, the funniest thing about it was who ended up getting trapped the hardest out of anyone that I know by Storm the Festival. Moi, Arjuna Perkins, founder of the Arena Craft Podcast, initial hardest disser of Storm the Festival. And I ended up playing that card for longer than anyone else I know. And uh, it was only recently that I stopped running it. But what do you think, man? Trappiest trap of the year, huh? I'm having a really hard time with this one, to be honest. I don't know that there was like an epic trappy card post-rotation the way that we had before. Was there like kind of a bad card that you know is bad, but you just couldn't help but keep putting it in your decks and playing it because you like it. This has to be about me. Why can't I just judge everyone else for playing cards that I don't like? <laughs> I feel like there's a really good answer here and I'm just completely missing it. So one came to my mind and it's super controversial. We don't do controversy, Kavako Blue. That was a joke. We, <laughs> we live on controversy. Goldspan Dragon. Mmm, a trap, you say. So it's a really good card, and the shells that are built around it well and are tuned for the meta uh, saw great success, won the world championship, undeniable. Uh, was There were eight copies in the finals, like two goldspan decks versus cool, two goldspan decks. But I just feel like over the course of the year, there were a lot of bad goldspan decks played in tournaments where there should not have been goldspan decks. There were red-green goldspan decks getting played in a format with Winota and Chariot in it. There was Is It Dragons was getting played a lot in tournaments before rotation where it was probably like the third or fourth or fifth best option in an optimistic way, where it was like a tier 2.5 deck going up against broken decks. Goldspan Dragon spent a lot of the year, I think, being a trap, and I still think it is a trap in a lot of ways. There are decks that it's really good for, but when you look at the Is It Epiphany list that do the best, they run like maybe one or two Goldspan Dragons between main and side. The four of Goldspan Dragon lists aren't nearly as popular since Worlds. They were well-tuned for that field, but in open fields, they continue to struggle. And Goldspan ends up taking up a lot of room in decks that could be built differently like gruel and rakdos uh, mono red uh, how many times have we seen like people trying to bend mono red to play goldspan dragon thinking that's what's going to bring it back well i think you really highlight a good point which is that one of the trappiest things about goldspan dragon was that it 
fooled people into putting it into decks it just shouldn't have been in. Yeah, Mono Red was the best example because A of all, no way to use the extra mana. And B of all, did they really need a freaking five mana four for a haster? I mean, no, the answer is no. He did it. He said the thing. This is the sum total of why CGB stays on this podcast, by the way. It is. I was quoted at one point in a video saying our deck is red, so we play Goldspan Dragon. And I think that mentality is easy to fall into. I did. And then I actually realized the less I play that card, the more space I found to brew and possibly make decks that were better against the meta because the good decks found ways to punish you for taking your turn five to play something that couldn't even block, you know, or cost a lot of mana at sorcery speed. I think that's an excellent selection and it goes nicely into the next category because my selection for this category was maybe the best answer for Goldspan Dragon. The best printing of the year. Okay. So this is the card which we think was just like A plus design, saw a lot of play, was very interesting, good power level, all that kind of stuff. Now last year, I remember CGB, you nominated Maze Mind Tome. I like that card. That card's all over the place. It's nice. It was a good card, right? So my nomination for the best printing of the year was Divide by Zero. Let's let's go through this. I actually think that Kovac Go Blue, you were like on the cutting edge of this card. I saw you playing this card in Standard before basically anybody. I'm going to give some credit to a YouTuber named Sonio. That was the first one I saw playing it, and the very first time he resolved it, I was like, I'm in. And the next day I was playing it. Well, I think any of us limited mages who also play Constructed were probably interested in that card because it was like filthy and limited. And I think we saw the potential of it. So when I saw control mages such as you, yeah, and Sonio playing Divide by Zero, I was like, wow, that card really has a future. And I think it just kept getting better and better. You know, when memers were trying to play cards like Coma Cosmos Serpent that just don't deserve space on the battlefield, Divide by Zero was an excellent way to shame your opponents from playing cards like that. You know, now we see Divide by Zero being an absolute staple, especially if you're trying to prevent your opponent from getting down a big threat, such as Hullbreaker Horror. Cool edge cases for Divide by Zero, such as countering spells, which go to exile after they get cast. I also think that this card was at the forefront of making the whole lesson learn mechanic really popular in standard and making it powerful enough. So in conclusion, I think Divide by Zero was a masterful piece of design. I think it's a perfect power level in the format. I think the format would be worse without it. And even though some people do think it's really strong and maybe a little bit too strong, I'm going to nominate it as the best printing of the year. This is a tough one because best printing of the year can be so loaded. And there's a lot of very powerful cards that this could go to. But I think everybody would agree we'd prefer those cards weren't printed at this point. (laughs) My intention for the category was a really good card which doesn't need to get banned which basically makes the format better that was kind of my thought so i got mine it's it's kind of a cheat because really i've got 10 but i'm just gonna say the one that matters the most to me deserted beach the chill lands are awesome. They really are. They made the mana so much better. Do you remember the mana in standard 2022? Like, even when you drew your pathways, you're like, uh, this could go so wrong if I pick the wrong color. And there were a lot of games that were just really ugly. And yeah, cards like Deserted Beach really made blue-white palatable, along with casting Devastating Mastery for the four white was possible. So that card had some moments of fun. But more than that, like I've got a five color dragon video that I released last week that just 
It's so much better with a couple of chill lands. It's so good. And you also just feel it, man. When is it in Crimson Vow got the storm carve coast or whatever? It was like, oh God, it, it's even more better because now you can do things with two blue or two red. You do potentially get to copy Unexpected Windfall way easier than you did in the vast with Galvanic Iteration. So yeah, those lands I think were a needed boost and they did it with a new printing, which is hard to do. And I also just wanted to give Wizards props for just giving us the whole cycle quickly. They could have been a-holes and done like they've done in the past and make us wait for like many sets before we get the second half, but they were like, nope, we want Standard to be fun. We're going to print them all now. A plus for the timing on that, for sure. All right, let's go to the match of the year. This is the showdown tournament or otherwise, which uh, you think is going to be the defining magic showdown of the year for you. And CGB, I'm just going to go ahead and give this to one that hasn't even happened yet. Tomorrow, as of this recording, if all goes to plan and things haven't been going to plan, but you've still got the train on the rails, Kovaco Blue and Crokies will be facing off. It might not be the WotC competitive play match of the year, but I think for a lot of people who enjoy Magic content, it's definitely going to be the most important face-off of the year. Kovaco Blue versus Crokies. Here's a question I have for you, CGB. Going into it, how are you feeling, man? If you were a batting man, what would your odds be? I'm a person to always bet on myself in action, but never in words. It's one of those weird things where I truly believe in myself. And when I give myself opportunities, I trust myself to come through. But if you tell me to talk about myself, I'm never going to like my chances nearly as much. And especially with the way that the last few days have gone, I was building my decks for this on my iPad on the couch because my computer wasn't working. And I was, yeah, it's it's been bad. I feel like I missed some crucial lead up and I've really least more trash talking streams than I've had time to test. We know where Kovac Goblu's efforts are maximized here. Going for the psychological angle, huh? <laughs> that said, I've been planning things to do with this to try to entertain the people for most of this year, and I've been preparing for this battle most of my life. So here we go. Let's do it. Either way, no matter how it goes, I'm not going to be disappointed in you. Aw, that's really nice of you. No, seriously, man. I know you got the goods. And here's another thing, man. A of all, you have a good history. When it comes to like showing down against other content creators, you've definitely been a dream crusher in the past. I believe in your ability to take down that big game. And B of all, I don't remember what B of all was. You got this. (laughs) (laughs) Anticlimactic. I had one. I had one. I just can't remember it now. That's okay. I'm sure it'll come to you. Do I have to do a match of the year now? I'm like gearing up for a match of the year tomorrow morning. So I'm kind of... Is there anything that stands out to you? Anything from the world championship, perhaps? Anything from the set championship we just had? The troll in me really likes the hour and a half Golgari food mirror. (laughs) It's just kind of a thing that happened now. And I think we all look at some of those painful things as how did magic get this way? Kind of like the Eldraine meta as a whole. And we just kind of look back at it now like, oh yeah, that happened. I mean, I don't think I'll forget anytime soon the uh, Yuta Takahashi. Yeah, Yuta versus Shota. Is that what you're talking about? Or is it the final that you're talking about? Actually, the the battle with Shota was amazing too. I was thinking the final. Him winning. First of all, him getting into the finals into day three 
him winning was really emotional. And I'll probably think of his face and his reactions as much or more than the gameplay. But you're right. For gameplay, I think I'm going to think of the matchup with Shota the most. It was so back and forth, tense, a masterclass in control, which of course is my favorite. Yeah, I can't run away from that one. I don't know if we have like a Magic Player of the Year award. Yuta would win it for me because I think I'm always going to think of his responses and just the emotion that he was feeling uh, winning that tournament. You know, you felt it. Man, there were some of those matches where he was locked in on another level. I was scared. Watching at home, I was like, holy crap, dude, this guy has the killer instinct dialed. Like, he is going to win this match. Certainty, right? Inevitability. He just, like, locked into that inevitability space. Yeah, amazing player for sure. Let's move on to... We may have already covered this, but I thought it was an interesting category. CGB's deck of the year. Now, this is the deck that you've brewed, Covert Go Blue, that we want to celebrate. So this is my nomination for you. You get to make your own choice, of course, based on whatever criteria you want. For you, I definitely nominated Blood Money. Well, first of all, it was the deck that you brewed that I cursed you the most for having brewed. I play a fair amount of best of ones, so I often curse you, Covert Go Blue. You can have the satisfaction of knowing that you're beating your friends even when you're not even playing them. I just thought that that original Blood Money deck with Kaya was like so fantastic. Basically the only use of that card I've ever seen that really made her look good, and it really did make her look good, and it was badass, and totally brutal deck and just really good piece of grinding people out well done dude great deck thank you thank you appreciate it ah my favorite deck of the year i'm gonna swerve on ya i'm gonna talk about like one of the most absurd win rates i've ever had in any format and it almost shouldn't count but basically in historic brawl i think i finished at something like 67 and 6 with Galazeth Prismari. Oh, nice. That commander wasn't getting paired against the upper echelon because you know how the matchmaker works. It was getting paired against like the mid tier. And by the time I finished and I was like, all right, I got to hang it up. I was playing like against Omnath and Golos on a regular basis and still winning, still doing what I needed to do, but everything was definitely harder. But it was kind of absurd that me and the people who watched my video on it like moved the needle on our own. We were just winning so much that they had to like move it up the tiers gradually. And one minute we're playing Agar, the Freezing Flame, and the next minute we're playing Kinnon, Vonder Prodigy. And you know, just we just keep ticking away until there it is, Golos again. There it is, Baral. There it is, Teferi, Hero of Dominaria. Yep, we've done it, boys. We've reached the top. I love how you just managed to slip that subtle little dig in there, Kovaco Blue. True master of the troll. Don't think I didn't notice, my friend. But yeah, that deck was really sweet. And I feel like you actually exploited some synergies that I feel like other people just really weren't picking up on. Doing really cool, like, is it treasure nonsense? Making that look really good. Super sweet deck. Really sad I never got to face off against you actually playing the thing. But you were in trouble. Yeah, I had it coming for me, man. I believe that. I fully believe that. All right, Arjuna's deck of the year. I'm going to hand this one to you first, Covert Go Blue. If I don't give you Simic Ramp in 2022, it would be a tragedy. You were a true pioneer and devotee of that deck. You basically put a ton of work into it, and you daggered me really hard for it. But I'm not going to say that. Nope, that, it's not that deck. You were the first person I saw doing it. 
Emergent Ultimatum with All Runs Epiphany. The day it came out, you were Emergent Ultimatuming into All Runs Epiphany. It was a serious and sometimes defining part of the standard format for the next like seven months until rotation. You were just there. I think you shuffled it up your very first game on day one. Thanks, man. Do you know, I actually brewed that first draft of that deck with my Twitch chat on stream, probably like Monday before that pre-release event. I thought that was going to be really cool. I think one of the things that you and I shared was that we were both ultimatum gamers. We'd both been playing Emergent Ultimatum long before it was cool. Uh, I think we both saw the power of that card. It would have been scam of the year until Auron's Epiphany got printed because we both got really scammed into Emergent Ultimatum. Seriously, dude, seriously. Thanks, man. I will give myself a little credit for knowing that that card had potential if only we had good enough monocolored expensive cards to cast with it and Kaldheim ever give us the answers to that particular piece of the puzzle. I didn't expect to be brewing with what would eventually become like an absolute tier one archetype in the format, but sometimes, like they say, a stopped clock is right twice a day. Happened to break my way on that time, so thanks, man. Yeah, for me, I named it uh, Simic Ramp of 2022, mostly because it was just the deck that I loved the most. It was the deck that I worked the hardest on. I had the satisfaction of staking my claim on that deck when I feel like basically no one else was, except for maybe Ali Eldrazi. I think he certainly, in terms of hours played, I think he may have spent more time on Simic Ramp in that format than any other deck that he played, which is saying something because he played the hell out of that format. I felt like the lone voice in the wilderness being like, no, seriously, guys, this deck is good. Actually, this deck's really good. And by the end of the format, I feel like um, it was ranked on Untapped GG as maybe the four most winning deck in the format. I pat myself on the back for, I feel like, if not single-handedly, then pretty decisively putting that deck on the map in that format. Now we're going to turn it over to the year of 2022. I just want to do a little bit of looking forward because it's fun to place bets and then see how they turn out. If there's one thing that happens a lot on the ArenaCraft podcast, it's us making bets and kind of comparing notes afterwards. Most stoked for 2022, CGB. Of the things that you know that are coming up in this year, what do you think people are going to look back on and be like, that was just the sweetest thing that happened in 2022? I believe the Netflix series is slated to come out, which could be a train wreck or not a train wreck. The range on that kind of thing is tremendous. If it is successful and popular, those kind of things can take a game to a new level. Um, things I've witnessed that with include, uh, we saw chess in Queen's Gambit. I also, because of my wife, uh, saw the roller derby boom happen because of the movie Whip It. Like These things can hit on a level that's hard to quantify. Magic could become exponentially more popular with a great show. The odds of it actually hitting don't seem great, but it's there. It's a wild card is what I'm saying. I'm really looking forward to Neon Dynasty, and I hope it's very successful. It's cool to hear you say that it looks amazing so far because I see a lot of potential. I'm going to go check those things out as soon as I can. I'm going to go with the universes beyond, and I'm going to say Lord of the Rings. I think we're actually going to look at that set, which they have said is going to be coming to Arena and going to Historic. I think we're going to look back on that set as 
really cool. I think we're going to be excited about it when all is said and done. I certainly hope so. You know, I'd like to take Samwise Gamgee for a ride up the mountain, as it were. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Before this week, it, I probably would have said like the Brothers War, because I think that set's going to be really sweet. And I think I'm going to really enjoy what they introduce in it. But once I saw the Kamigawa stuff, I was just all in for freaking Neon Dynasty. Until I saw that trailer, I didn't know just how hard I wanted cyberpunk in Magic. In one minute, I was a convert. And then like when I started to see some of the art for it, when I saw those basic lands and stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, from a flavor, art and design perspective, this could be an absolute all time Magic set. I feel like they pulled out all of the stops. Even the freaking set symbol looks incredible. I think that they've really put the full force of their creative juice. I think this is going to be like another Kaladesh where people look back on it and they're like, they just threw everything that they had at this set. I hope it's powerful. I hope it's not too powerful. And I think either way, I'm just, I'm going to love every minute of the flavor of it. Really looking forward to that. Me too now. I'm really glad that it's happening early as well. Everyone needs a little boosty as it were. Little uh, magic enthusiasm booster shot. Let's hope that we get it. All right, final question, CGB. Your biggest arena client wish for 2022. So this could be anything. This could be Pioneer. This could be some other remastered format you'd like to see. Backend changes. This could be spectator mode. If you got one wish, one attainable project that could be implemented on the arena client, what would it be? I, I want a different level of collection management. I can't even browse my collection because I spend the whole time flipping through copies and copies and copies of useless cards that I'm never going to play again. Just it's all draft commons and uncommons. I might look at a page and see zero playable cards, you know, with my colors selected and when I'm building a deck and it drives me crazy. It like actually seems to stifle how I have always built decks, which is I either have a box of cards and I flip through them or have a binder and I flip through it. Or if I'm doing digital, I just go page by page and I'm looking for inspiration. And nothing is less inspiring than looking at my MTG Arena collection. There are a lot of problems with dusting systems, but I'd love a good one. I would love it. Get rid of the vault. Give us dusting. Just let me get rid of this draft stuff I never wanted to touch again and I never wanted in the first place. The stuff I basically only opened and put in my collection to get to the things I actually wanted, like wild cards and a few rares and mythics. Just let me get rid of this. I don't even like being associated with it. I don't know how else to put it. I'm a person who I hate clutter. When I'm not using something, I want to get it out of my life, whether that means donating it, selling it, giving it away. Even if it's something that would be valuable, if it's not valuable to me, I'd rather give it to somebody who can use it. I feel like all the, my arena attention in real estate is just filled with crap I don't need. And I, I want a better way around it. A good economy makeover that involved dusting would be ideal. I think that people overvalue dusting generally as an economic thing because, you know, a lot of metagames move and a lot of people dust the wrong things. Like there's just kind of bad incentives there. But I think that it's still better than what we have. Because right now there's just, I've got all these cards that they're, they're literally better dead than alive to me. <laughs> well, and actually I feel like dusting would also alleviate, okay, it's ridiculous how we can collect more than four copies of a single card. But I think some of the frustration of that would be alleviated if you could just dust the extra copies. 
set it to auto dusting too. You know, you choose your art for that card and that's all the art you have. And when you open the next identical art, it just auto dusts and things like that. There's got to be a better option than what there is. The economy in general could be better. I, I think it starts with just some kind of way to get something out of all of this garbage in my collection. Well said. I'm sure a lot of people agree with you on that. Uh, for me, what I would like most is just a revamped client interface. It's maybe a bit of a cheat because it's it's a number of things, but these are all very small things. This is what I want. In Magic Online, they did like a client rehash. They just kind of released a latest version and it had a bunch of different stuff in it and it was nothing particularly special, no massive features or anything like that. It was just like a bunch of quality of life improvements. And that's what I want on Arena. I want a better deck builder. I hate the deck builder. You were saying the collection management kills it for you. The deck builder kills it for me. All the fiddly clicking, all of the having to remember like, oh, I have to click here if I want to add and here to remove and I have to do this and that and the other thing. Turn off suggest lands. Oh my God. <laughs> click through four pages of lands to get to the latest ones you might like. And like, why can I still not set my default land art? Covert go blue. It's been so long. You've got like 30 different land arts you never paid for. But, you know, why wouldn't you want to flip through them all and try to pick exactly that one? CGB, I have literally turned down spending money, my hard-earned freaking cash on land art because I knew I was just going to have to freaking page through and find it every time. Wizards has literally lost my money. I like lands. You hit the little island, the little blue land selection, right? And I just have like 10 of the most beautiful land arts I've ever seen in my life there. And I just pick the island I feel like today. And there we go. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, but we don't get that. I like that you said island. You're really appealing to me. You know, I'm really, really speaking to your heart, you know? Here's another annoying thing. We have like default deck sleeve art selection in the client, but you'd never know it because it sticks around for like, what, two days or something? And then it resets to the... Has Does this happen for you? No. Okay, so I build decks on the arena client. And I'll just be playing and I'll be like, wait, why am I using the default sleeve? I thought I selected one. So I'll go into my builder and I'll select a sleeve and I'll click the little set, make the default one. And then like the next week, I'm back to the thing. I have no idea why. I don't know if it's with every update. I don't know if my computer's balked. I don't know what it is, but it basically doesn't work for me. Isn't it bollocks? So yeah, so I want for them to fix that. B of all? F of all. R of all, Q of all. Okay, there's other annoying things, right? The expressive iteration interface for just making the selections, it's terrible. I want that to be fixed. Now, granted, it's been bad for so long, I don't think they can do anything about it now because people have trained their monkey brains. But I want that kind of stuff too. There are just like certain ways that the choices are implemented on the client that just totally grind my gears and I find so unintuitive. So that's the kind of thing that I want, just like a lot of incremental little changes to make the client better. And I wish we were just getting those. I wish that like when the updates were pushed out, we were like, oh, they finally implemented that little thing that we all wanted. And that happens so rarely, it makes me sad. What do we want? Change. When do we want it? Now. Now-ish. Maybe, if we have nothing else to do. In conclusion, CGB, it's actually been a big year for the arena. When we look back on it, and we look back on all of the things that have happened, all of the new stuff that's been implemented, so many new cards. That's not going to change anytime soon. 
It sure won't, crafties. Strap yourselves in because I think 2022 is going to be a hell of a year for magic. Will we hit peak cards ever? (sighs) I feel tired even just thinking about it. It's going to be big and us as content creators are going to have more than enough to talk about. So they're keeping us in business, CGB. You gotta love it. Somebody's gotta keep track of all this stuff so you crafties don't have to. We'll just tell you about it. All right, well, that's gonna do it for this episode. We might have like one more episode before the end of the year, but I'm just gonna officially wrap up the year of 2021. This is also our two-year anniversary episode. Aw. Yeah. Two years. Isn't that rad? Two years. I've been a co-host on a podcast for two years. That's crazy to me. That's wild. Oh, it's your two, your your podcasts, your, the founding of the ArenaCraft podcast two years. It's, is the ArenaCraft podcast two years. It's CGB's like year and six months, you know? It doesn't matter. Well, I was here the whole time. Everybody knows that. A- original listener of the podcast, which I think is pretty rad actually have listened to every episode yep (laughs) it's been a pleasure making this show with you you know i feel like this show was like cool before you joined but i feel like it found a home when you joined it just wouldn't be what it is right now without you man so yep i've enjoyed every single episode with you and i look forward to many more likewise happy holidays dude happy holidays it's a good time to remember what's important this time of year and um i wanted to thank most of all you the crafties the listeners the watchers the people who actually show up and take in the content we wouldn't be here without you we'd have no reason to do what we do if it weren't for you you know cgb says this all the time with his audience and it's really true when you're sitting where we're sitting the thing that matters is people enjoying the content and people interacting with the content. We appreciate the patrons, right? We appreciate the money. We appreciate the support and all that kind of stuff. But the thing that really drives it is just everybody. That is the most important thing, is everybody just showing up and participating. For anyone who's ever left a comment, for anyone who's ever interacted on social media, for anyone who shows up to watch a stream or watches our video, or even just does something as simple as downloading one episode, it all makes a huge difference. And so I want to appreciate the Craft Nation for supporting two years of this podcast. For all of you OGs who've been there since the beginning, you're amazing. I love you all. And the door's always open. If this is your first episode, welcome. Great to have you. This place is cool. Hang out. You'll have fun. And uh, to all the future crafties who will go back and listen to this because they're completionists, you're awesome as well. Thanks for joining us. It's our show, but what makes it special is each and every one of you listeners. So thank you so much. So that's going to do it. Uh, you can find the ArenaCraft podcast on Covert Go Blue's YouTube channel if you want to watch the awesome video version and see CGB's excellent hair, which always looks great. You can listen to this on Spotify or basically any podcatcher of your choice. We're pretty much everywhere. You can watch either of us stream on Twitch. We're both on there fairly regularly these days. You can join the Discord. We have a cool Discord going on. If you want to moan and complain about alchemy, you're totally welcome to go and do that in the Discord. Trust me, you have plenty of friends who uh, who want to get into that with you there. All right, CGB, crush the Irishman this weekend, and uh, let's go into 2022 strong. Later, crafties. <laughs>